Welcome to Revealing Men, conversations that pull back the curtain, revealing the inner lives of men. I'm Randy Flood, psychotherapist and director of the Men's Resource Center of West Michigan. I'd like to welcome Mark DeVries. Uh, he's a PhD psychologist, clinical psychologist, who has been providing psychological and neuropsychological assessment services to adults and older adults since 1992. He and I were colleagues once about a time, and since we are friends and biking partners, and Mark is married to Lisa, and they have two lovely daughters, and um, I'd like to welcome Mark here to the Revealing Podcast. Thanks, Randy. Glad to be here. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, kind of this um, tongue-in-cheek way of saying men wrestling with losing their minds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm starting to, to know a little bit about yeah. <laughs> myself. Yeah, so say a little bit, Mark, about your clinical practice and kind of just what you do. In, I know you work with men and women, um, but yeah. you're gonna, or today we're going to specifically talk about the gendered nature um, and particular struggles you might see with, with men who are struggling with some of these uh, older adult issues, cognitive yeah. issues. Yes. Well, um, one of the things that I do uh, is neuropsychological evaluations when a patient has been referred to me because they are declining cognitively. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically, this, these are people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, um, and beyond. Um, and as this relates to men, I think one of the challenges is I often see men who are beginning to lose the very things that have defined them, mm. um, such as control, productivity, dominance, that kind of thing. And that can be an existential crisis, mm. an existen- existential challenge, right. not only for the individual, but for the family. So Okay. And so, so you, so there's this human challenge of losing our cognitive faculties and, and, you know, we can't, you and I probably can't find words that we used to just roll right off our yeah, tongues, no right? <laughs> and that's a frustration. Um, but I think that you're you're saying something, and then I see this in my practice with men too. It's like if they're if they're too wedded to this traditional rigid view of masculinity that I'm going to be in control and dominate, possess, be in charge, be independent, not need help, be able to drive, be able to you know do all these things, and that is part of how I define myself as a man, then the onset of cognitive slippage, um, I would imagine is, like you said, is just quite a crisis because it was probably met initially with some denial. Yeah, I, that's exactly the word I was thinking of. Um, denial is certainly the main thing that I see. Um, by the way, we can talk about denial entirely pejoratively, but I want to recognize that denial is a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. So this is not entirely pathological. It's kind of a normal response um, to say this isn't really happening. It helps us get in the car and drive from point A to point B to have denial that we're just fine. Yeah, we're going to be fine. We're going to get to where we're going to go. It helps us wake up in the morning. Quite <laughs> frankly, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think another thing that can happen is projection of blame. Um, mm. This isn't something that's happening to me. This is something that my family is doing to me. Um, okay, and so there can be some blame going on rather than an acknowledgement that um, that things are changing. So if they're not. Accepting and owning that there's this decline happening, then they're focusing in on 
what people are doing to them as a consequence of them observing and noting this. And so they're experiencing others as being more, what, more controlling of them, more... Yeah, more more controlling, more critical. Uh, controlling and critical, I think, are the words that come mm-hmm. to mind. Okay. Yeah. And so what do you see then in your office when these when some of these men come in? They come in with um, family members? They come in kind Usually of re- resisting? Yeah. Um, Grumpy, um, uh, exactly, exactly. Open what? Well, you see the whole range. Um, you see, you see some men who handle it with an incredible graciousness, an incredible grace, and you also see men who resist it, kicking and screaming. Um, there can be um, an increase in irritability, mm-hmm. which is often interpreted as depression and I think it I think it does reflect some depression. I think more accurately though it's a manifestation of grief. Yeah. I mean, this is a letting go of the identity that that the man has had for right. for decades for his whole life, really. right? It's a it's the identity that he's developed over a lifetime right. and now is letting go. So what we understand about, you know, irritability, anger, uh, and such, as I work with men who are not having cognitive slippage or failure, is that there's something underneath that that's going on emotionally that they're not able to talk about or not able to acknowledge because it's it's too foreign, too scary. So I wonder if underneath what you're seeing is these, if the men could talk, and maybe some of them are able to articulate this, is Dr. DeVries... What's going on with me right now scares the hell out of me. And I'm not used to needing help or depending on others. Um, I've owned my own company. I've been a surgeon. I've been a lawyer. I've been a plumber or whatever. And this this journey scares me. Can you help me? What can I do to help myself? I mean, wow. Do you hear that at all? Never. Okay. Never. I don't know that I have ever heard that. no, that's not fair. I think I, I think I've heard variations I, on variations. That I haven't heard it as eloquently as you put it in your imagination. Hopefully, hopefully I can articulate that when I get there. My 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 family's going to do an intervention and bring up this podcast and say, "You said it. Why yeah. can't you say it now?" And I'm telling you, you're in trouble because I know your family, and they won't take any shit from you. Um, um, yeah, I, I seldom hear that. Okay. And so what, what I'm called upon to do, which is very difficult, is to be present for him in the presence of his, his wife or family mm-hmm. usually and say, um, you are used to being in charge. You, or, or I could say it another way, you are a leader. You've been a leader your whole life. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to honor that, right. you know, not to pathologize it, to, but to honor it. And now you're finding um, some cracks in your leadership and in your ability to be a leader. And that is difficult and painful. Right. Um, and men who are more in touch with that will begin to acknowledge that and, and, and be able more to go into the grief. Um, others will push up against it, push right. back against it. Right. And it depends on the individual. Right. Well, you you have a personal experience with a remarkable man who's a centurion. You want to talk do, about yeah. this guy? Um, my father, um, John DeVries, um, second lieutenant John DeVries, who was a navigator on a B-17 during World War II, flew 30 missions, is still alive. 
Um, How old he is, is he? He is a hundred, and um, he will be a hundred one in May. So he's wow. approaching hundred one. Um, he is still very present in many ways. He's living in assisted living now at right. the Holland Home, Raybrook Manor. Um, he continues to read voraciously. His reading habits have changed a, a little bit. <laughs> well, you said something to me one time of that that he used to read these, you know, his history and philosophy, more traditional, maybe more masculine literature, or whatever. And you said that now you've noticed he's moved yeah. into some what sappy romance. He or has, <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing, really. He, he is obsessed with novels by Nicholas Sparks and Richard Paul Evans. Okay, and um, they're very similar to each other, and they're they're love stories. Hmm. Um, How they're, sweet! They're very chaste, um, chaste, C-H-A-S-T-E, okay. <laughs> which my dad appreciates. Um, <laughs> he will read those books and cry. Um, and I think it's just the romance of it. You know, mm. it's the, it's, it's the love. It's two people finding each other after, after not having seen each other for a while or right. whatever. Um, and he'll read those and cry. Now he still reads serious stuff too, right? And I, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't disparage it. That is serious. <laughs> it, it is, you know? yeah. It's 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 serious in a different way. Yeah, um, yeah. What did Freud say? He said the work of life is to, or the the task of life is to work and to love. Was that mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah, Sam Keen had that stages for you know, child rebel, adult outlaw, and lover. Yeah, is that you know that all that's integrated into this lover who's able to do it all. Um, yeah. But, okay. So maybe my dad is at the lover stage yeah. at, at age 101. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, it's how long it takes us to get there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to talk a little bit about yeah. his spirituality too, yeah. if I if I may. Yeah. Um, he's one of these people who accepted his his growing dependence with a lot of grace. Mm. Um, when it became time to move him into the, he's actually in a memory care unit. Uh, when it came time to move him into that unit, because my mother, all 95 pounds of her, <laughs> it could no longer take care of him. By the way, she's still alive at right. 95 and reading voraciously too. <laughs> um, bless, bless her soul. But she could not take care of him anymore. Right. He, was, he was just too big and too, too difficult to manage because he's a fall risk and a bit impulsive and that kind of thing. Oh, where was I going with this? Oh, he he went into this move with a tremendous amount of grace. Right. Um, he accepted it um, and is kind of living uh, a mystic existence. He's um, He has become a mystic over the years. Wow. Um, he grew up in a pretty traditional Dutch Calvinist home. Mm-hmm. Um And over the years has become, I would say, more of a, more of a, Christian mystic, uh, okay. which is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that, you know, it's like, again, one of the big challenges for people who are aging and, and not able to drive very well, let's say, um, and it can be a danger, is you you had to do an intervention and confront him and tell him yeah. that, you, that, he, that he can't drive anymore. And he had a humorous way of kind of accepting that <laughs> from did. you, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> this is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were talking about driving, and he was proclaiming that he was still able to drive. Now, this was after we had already determined that he, he could not and should not drive anymore. And so I confronted him on that issue, maybe a bit harshly, and he looks me in the eye and he said, I said I still can drive. I didn't say I would. 
<laughs> so that he saved face, you know, he he was able to save right. face with that statement. Yeah. And at the same time accept the verdict. You right. Know? Yeah. So. And I would think that to do this well, I mean, there's there's just a general aging process, and then there's just, you know, we're cognitively in brain diseases, you know, with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia. Um that's even more challenging. But I think that what I hear is that if a, if a person can do well with grief, because that's what I've heard that, you know, death is, a, is, is a, you know, preparing for death and doing it well is to successfully grieve all these losses along the way. So yeah. I wonder if you could say a little bit about, again, if you're in and stuck in the man box and traditional control, dominance, not feeling feelings and suck it up, how not being able to grieve can impede your ability to accept very much cognitive so. problems or the you know the aging process. Yeah, very much so. I, I'm I might stammer a bit on this because my thoughts are not well formed. So okay. I'm going to be thinking out loud, and maybe you can help me do that. That's fine. This is actually related to our other discussion about men and the natural world, men and the environment. Um, in this way. Um, when men have been identified with their productivity, their their contribution to our economic system mm. for so long, and then lose their ability to be productive, there's a tremendous amount of grief that, that goes with that. Um, because we define being human, particularly being male, being masculine, with mm -hmm. that ability to be productive. Right. Um, so that raises a question then, what if it were different than that? What if we did not define ourselves by that? Um, what might... What we didn't might disengage from it, but we our, our identity was was broadened, more versatile or something, is right. what you're suggesting. Yeah, more, more holistic. Okay. I'm searching for a word here, more... Um, more well integrated. Right. What might that look like? Might we be more prepared to slide into um, the challenges of loss of cognitive functioning more gracefully? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that if, again, that's why, you know, we have this podcast is to kind of, you know, pull back the curtain and reveal what's really going on in the inner life of men. And so this topic today is, is talking about men who struggle with cognitive deficits as they age. And so if we, if, we, if we look at helping men get connected to their inner life and have a broader vision of what it means to be a man from early on, might we live in a different world? Might neuropsychologists like you be able to see men grappling with this differently? Yeah. Um, I actually have something... From a book that I'd like to share about okay, that, sure. I just I just read reread a chapter last night that I think speaks to okay. this exact thing. Um, the book is called "On Vanishing: um, uh, Mortality, Dementia, and What It Means to Disappear" um, by Lynn Castile Harper. Okay, she is um, pastor to older adults at the Riverside Church in New York. Okay, in New York City. And she has a chapter. This is just an amazing chapter. It's one of the most beautiful essays I've ever read. Called um, Chapter Six of this book, A Great Many Seemings Here, S E E M I N G. And she examines the older adult life of Ralph Waldo Emerson as okay. he fades into dementia in his older years. 
and how he did it gracefully. Um, and I'm going to, you know, rather than read the whole chapter, which is lengthy, um, I'm going to read a section of it where she reflects on um, what it might be, how this might be related, how our, our challenge with this now might be related to the um, industrialization of, um, that started in 19th century America and continues to this day. She says, with the rapid industrialization of late 19th century America, what were once considered natural aspects of advanced age came to have pejorative meanings. Mm. The demands of the new marketplace stigmatized those who were not physically and mentally able to adequately, adequately participate in an increasingly, increasingly complex and bureaucratized system. Mm. And then she goes on with another sentence. Since respectability was defined by the norms of white society and the assumption that rationality was the domain of white men, one's inability to carry off a middle-class role bore anxieties related to gender and race too. Hmm. <laughs> that is jam-packed with that ideas. There's a lot there. So what what do you, what is your with some with some of your takeaways with well, this ta- with this subject here? Yeah, my takeaway um, with respect to the topic we're discussing, which mm-hmm. is aging in men, is what if we from the beginning socialized men to be more well more well-rounded, um, not just producers, um, but you know, caretakers, caregivers, uh, people who who were in touch with feelings and relationship and empathy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, what if we did not identify ourselves with production and productivity? Then might not the changes that come with aging be a bit easier to right. to manage and to accept? Right. Um, I can yeah. see it's kind of like, okay, I can't remember much and I my speech isn't that great anymore and and but you know what gives me value with my grandkids or great grandkids or my adult children is just to show up and be yeah. in the room and I'm lovable um because of that and I don't I don't have yeah. to say or do anything but I can just and then to have the people in that room also have a different view of masculinity and to be able to say he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to take yeah. care of us. He doesn't have to be the great powerful Oz. He can just be here and we can exactly. love him. Did you read that chapter? No. Because she talks about <laughs> she talks about how he found joy in his grandchildren, even though he was almost completely aphasic. Well, his his language changed to the point where he he spoke in kind of vague poetic circles. Yeah. But he took delight in his grandchildren. Oh um, yeah. And that's that's Sam Keen's lover stage, really. Yeah. Yeah. For mentioned. me, it's like if I can't say much or articulate much, just freaking prop me up and let me see my grandkids and my <laughs> yeah. great grandkids play, and I'll just probably weep and hopefully be able to just be present at yeah. least and know who they are or be able to receive the love from them. Right. Absolutely. And even if you don't know who they are, there's still something happening there that's valuable. That's one of the things she points out in the book too, is we, we spend so much energy on the question of whether the person with dementia recognizes us. Uh And she kind of demystifies that and says, that's not really the point. That's not really the point anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. 
I remember this elderly lady from my childhood who was always just a delightful, always positive, joyful. And I went to an open house and she was there, um, had dementia. And, and, and she met me and saw me for the first time, like 15 times at that party. And every time she was, oh, Randy, it's been so long since I've seen you. You know, it's just if you just recognize the beauty of her having gratitude multiple times, it's like she's still be able, having a human experience. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah she's in the lover stage too. It sounds like. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things you and I talked about in, in preparation for this was the fact that all of us have to let go as we age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I made the comment, you know, there will become, there will come a time when you and I can't ride our bicycles anymore. I know. Um, and I don't look forward to that, but that will happen. Yeah. You know. We might not be able to ride hundreds of miles. We might just be able to just <laughs> waddle somewhere to the local brewery or coffee shop. And yeah. um, and I am not about <laughs> buying either an elect, electric electronic assist bike or a tricycle. I will ride a tricycle if I can do it at 90. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll put a big horn on it for you. Yes, we will. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Mark, thanks for coming today and and talking about this. And you still are doing, you're still in the, in your chair doing this great work and people are coming into your office and and your gentle spirit, I'm sure is, I know sometimes you can get frustrated. Oh, I do. I'm not always gentle. (laughs) Right. Um, But overall, I think it's your gift to people um, that are struggling with this and, and, um, and I appreciate you as a as a colleague and as a friend to come and talk about this today. Yeah, well, I'm glad to do it. And again, um, I want to honor the work that you do with men. Um, it's important work. It is. So thank you. And, yeah. and it's such a privilege to be here. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of Revealing Men. If you're looking for more information about counseling, coaching, and consultative services, please visit the Men's Resource Center of West Michigan online at menscenter.org. Also, feel free to contact us on our website if you have questions about this segment, ideas for a topic, or would like to be a guest on the Revealing Men podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a rating so others can find us. Be well and have a great day.